Good morning, Cornerstone. Today's scripture reading is going to be from Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 to 14, and I'll be reading from the ESV. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders seize because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and the terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They're given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, with every secret thing, whether good or evil. May God bless the reading of this word. Good morning, Cornerstone. Great for you to join us once again to our worship service. And so this morning we are concluding our series through the book of Ecclesiastes. And the overarching theme throughout this book has been humility before God. So we have learned that the preacher has enjoyed all the pleasures that the world can offer. He has had uh, countless um, women in his life. He has had all the money that you can imagine he has had wisdom. He's a very knowledgeable person. But all of it, he says, is vanity. It is a chasing after wind. It does not satisfy. And so uh, what, what the world offers just doesn't quite fill us in our souls. And it is lacking because, as Pastor Jeff preached last week, death is awaiting us. And we don't know when our time will come. Verse 1 of our chapter says... Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. The evil days that the preacher is referring to is the unpleasantness of our physical deterioration, 
right? And then that's according to our ESV study Bible. And that means that that we no longer we we that we the longer we live, we will be living these evil days, which means that we will just grow old, we will deteriorate, our bodies will die out. And we'll get wrinkly and we'll break down and our hair will get gray and ultimately at the end we will die. Uh, but as Jeff men- mentioned again last week, death can come for us even in our youth. It is all in his timing. And we have no control over when we die. Because anything can happen to us at any moment. We do not know what will come in our lives. So we should live every day like we're dying. Which means that we should live life to the fullest. That means that we live a life according to what God wants us to do and is calling us to do. And at the, at the heart of that is being humble before him, having humility before him, where we gain to seek his wisdom. But we see the author is talking about not just worldly wisdom. That's not what God's wisdom is. It is a spiritual wisdom. And that's what we've seen throughout this book. And in this final chapter, the preacher makes it a point to show that humility before God is grounded actually in our fear of him. It is in the fear of God we gain spiritual wisdom. So that's what we're going to look at here this morning. And so let's pray and ask the Lord to help us understand um, what it means for us to fear him and how we can live for him when we fear him. So let's, let's pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, pray for you to be upon us as we close out our series through Ecclesiastes. And Lord, uh, we have looked throughout this book and have seen that the world does not offer us much of any worth. It's not graspable. It's it's hevel. But Lord, uh, we are realizing more and more when we live for you, when we have faith in you, when we have humility before you, Lord, that is where meaning in life truly happens. So, Lord, help us to understand that more today as we look at what it means to fear you. So, Lord, remind us again of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how everything is grounded in him, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, early on in uh, this chapter that we've read today, the preacher speaks of how we should remember God in our youth. Right now, I already mentioned that our message today will be about fear And if I remember anything about my youth, I'm not that old to begin with, but when I was younger, I remember I was much more fearless. And I remember the days where I would bike down a a steep hill without any regard for my well-being and would just go full speed without breaking at all. I remember the exhilaration that felt, and I really did not care about getting hurt in those moments of course there were times where I would get hurt and in those moments it would you know feel pretty bad and painful but for the most part I did not care about being afraid and I don't know if this is a a boy thing but I witness this every day with my son Um, he is a boy who is fearless in many ways he he whenever he falls he just gets right back up and he tries to do it over and over and over again Right, He tries to climb off our bed on his own. He tries to jump off our bed even sometimes. Uh, he's at the age where uh, when we're outside, we're walking around, he, he tries to jump off the curb by himself, even though he's way too young to even do that on his own. 
And he'll try over and over and over again, even though it's dangerous. And even though he falls sometimes, he does it again and again. And he's fearless. No matter how many times you tell him to stop, he continues to try. And you get, you get the sense that he has a thrill uh, of doing this. And, and he wants to do it over and over again. So in our youth, I think maybe it's because we're, we're naive uh, and we don't know um, what can really hurt us or how much we can hurt ourselves in these situations, but we tend to be a little more fearless than we are as we grow in our grown age and as we get older. Now, of course, in some ways, being fearless is a great thing. It is important that we are fearless. The Bible talks about how we should not be afraid in many situations. In, in Joshua 1.9, uh, I'll read it for us. It says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When we can claim this promise today as well, and it's not just limited to Joshua and the Israelites back then. The promises of, of God are available to us in Christ, including this promise that we do not have to be afraid that the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. But although we are to be courageous and not afraid, we're also called to fear God based on our passage for today. In verse 13 of our passage, it says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So again, we see we are called to fear him and to keep his commandments. So some people read these texts and read read a text like this, and they see God as this angry God who wants to throw fire and brimstone at us. And um, it's this idea where you must fear me because I am your God. That is the sense that many people get when we read passages like this. And I know that m maybe some of us are turned off by Christianity because of people who emphasize this message or we, we see, read this in the Bible. And it just seems like God just is an angry God who wants to send all his people to hell. And there's an, this is... There's another fear that we might have that is also misguided when we might not be saved by him or that he will reject us in some way or will punish us even if we, uh, if we, lose, if we uh, have faith in him and then we fall away from him in some way. But as 1 John 4.18 says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. When we have received this love of Jesus Christ, we no longer have to fear God. We don't have to fear that he will reject us because Jesus is what connects us to God. He is our mediator. And he is the perfect mediator. And so we do not have to fear that God will reject us. If we are in Christ, we will always be with God. And he will never reject us. And, and, but that is not what it means when the word of God here says, fear him. Right? So these things are not what fearing God means. Right? So whenever the Bible talks about fear, there is a sense of God working for us. It's not God trying to punish us, but God is actually trying to work for us. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 2, 12 to 13 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Paul is saying that you should fear and tremble because God 
is working to keep you. And, he, and that is a powerful thing that, that we should fear and tremble God because God is trying to keep you close to him. And that is the powerful presence of God that produces trembling because he keeps us away from his terrible wrath by his grace. And that is done through the work of Jesus Christ. So the fear we have of God is actually what draws us to God. Because the only way to avoid this terrible wrath and justice is only in his refuge through the grace of Jesus Christ. Where Christ instead takes our place. And that is how God um, executes his justice. So for the preacher, it is the same idea for us to fear God, to obey his commandments. Because it is in this fear, fear of God, that we actually find meaning in our lives. We avoid his wrath and we live a life that we are called to live. So we are called to fear God and obey his commandments. So let us look at a little bit more closely what that fear of God does for us according to the passage and what God is commanding us to do as well. So first is fear God so that he will direct your paths. In verse 11, it says, the word of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. When we fear God and have reverence and awe of him, we, we listen to him. Right? We care about what he has to say. And the preacher has repeatedly said that it is better to have wisdom than to not. Um, the preacher has said that over and over again throughout this book. And, and the ultimate wisdom we can receive is from God. It says it is given to us by the one shepherd. And we see in scriptures, like in Psalm 23, the Lord is our shepherd. God is our shepherd. He is our one shepherd because he is the one and only true God. As human beings, we are like sheep. We are like lost little sheep. We see this metaphor throughout scripture where we are lost little sheep and we we do not know how to go on the right path. If you know anything about sheep, they're relatively stupid animals and they need to be directed and guided constantly and because of our sinfulness we we do we make the wrong decisions all the time we need to be guided constantly on the right path and 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 it's because we because of our sinfulness we do whatever we want to do we do what what makes us feel good we um we do what we think is right in our corrupted nature without having a regard for what god desires of us and in some instances, we even take good things, like even serving in, the, in our communities or serving at church as a way to gain power for ourselves or to gain status for ourselves or to gain a better reputation for ourselves or to even just make ourselves feel better about what we are doing with our lives. And that's why many churches um, struggle with leadership who, who, gets pu- who get puffed up in their own pride instead of being directed by the wisdom that God offers us. And we are led by our own thinking and led by our own emotions. And we see that sometimes leadership is unable to handle their differences because of that. right? And that's why churches split and uh, leaders have to step down in many instances. But when we are directed by God and his wisdom, we can see the church rise up to do amazing things, especially for the poor and less fortunate. 
for example, in general, religious people tend to be much more charitable than non-religious people. And actually, Mormons are the ones who, who give the most uh, out of any religious group. But Christians are right behind Mormons. And Christians tend to give the most actually to the poorest of the poor, to, to the people overseas especially. And Christians are the ones who, who mentor prisoners the most. Right? They, give, uh, they, they help those prisoners try to get back on their feet because we know how hard it can be for them to, to get a job after going to prison. And so uh, Christians are known to go to the poorest of the poor, to the poorest places where governments can't even uh, make an impact in those areas, right? So we, when we are on this path that God offers us, offers us, we can see God do amazing things through us where we are obedient to his commands. And we have witnessed that throughout history, what Christians can do when we are directed by God and his word, and something that Christians offer besides money and funds, and this is the best thing that Christians can offer, is that we offer the gospel. We can bring uh, the gospel, the truth of the gospel, and that can change people. And that can bring reconciliation to communities as well. For example, there was one Christian organization that went to the African country of Malawi. And instead of just offering money like many Christ uh, charitable organizations do, uh, they offer training to those communities because many men in that community uh, would spend their money on, uh, on alcohol and they would get drunk and that would lead to a lot of domestic violence in their homes. And so this organization brought the gospel and helped numerous families change and their communities as a result began to change as well. And only by God's grace can these things happen. And we need God's wisdom to lead us in doing this good work. And this is what Christians can offer because we have the truth of the gospel. And the, and the gospel can transform lives and can change hearts. And so in order to do these things, we need a shepherd to goad us, right? That's what a, a goad is. A goad is a stick to basically direct our paths, to prod and guide the sheep and oxen. The wisdom of God provides us the right direction and path. It gives us understanding of what is good, what is right, and, and compared to what is wrong. It keeps us from relying on what we think is right, from our own understanding, which is corrupted by our sinful nature. And ultimately, ultimately it leads us in paths of righteousness where we keep his commandments. Secondly, fear God so that you will be held accountable. When we fear God, we have this proper sense of fear, a fear that knows that if we fall away from God, it only leads to despair and tragedy. Back in Ecclesiastes 3, verses 16 and 17, it says this, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for, is a, the, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. So that means that there is a, a sense of caution in how we approach life because we know that we are being held accountable for our actions. 
It means we can't just be reckless in our actions, and we can't act on our whims or emotions, but we are thoughtful about our decisions and thoughtful about what God desires of us. And we are aware that there is divine judgment awaiting us when we reject him and we reject his commands and we do not live according to his will. God says that he will judge us for doing wicked things. We will be held accountable for every evil word, every evil deed, because we know that God is a God of justice. And we know that even though things in this world are unjust, in this life, they will always be unjust. We know this. We, we see this in our world right now. Things are so unjust in our world. But in the life to come, there will be justice. And none of us will be None of us will be judged any less. God will judge us all in the same way. And so when we gain wisdom, we, we see that God is a God of justice, that there will be justice. When we fear God, we, we receive this heart of wisdom, and we have this heart, so it gives us to ab- the ability to make right decisions, knowing that God's judgment is upon us, and he watches every move we make. And so our hearts need to be aligned with what God desires. And God gives us that ability when he gives us that heart of wisdom to align ourselves with his desires. Share an example. I think I shared a story before here at Cornerstone, but I'll I'll share it again. Uh, Years ago, there was a college student who was not a Christian at the time, but he joined a Christian fellowship and he started attending and getting involved with, with them and, and going to their different events and, and small groups and things like that. But however, in a, in a rather short period of time, this person was able to um, get into these different groups of uh, the fellowship. And they, were, they started to sleep around and have sex with the different girls in the fellowship. And you could tell he had no desire to learn about Christ. And instead, he, he actually wanted to display the hypocrisy in Christian community by being this evil force within it. But then the grace of God captured his heart, and it changed his heart. He realized the path he was going on was an evil one, and that he cont- if he continued down this path, it was only pain and suffering that awaited him. He knew that he would be held accountable for his actions. That even though in many ways he was not held accountable uh, for his actions, then in that moment, he knew that what he did was wrong and that he would be judged for his actions one day. So he confessed and he repented and became a follower of Christ. And eventually he entered into ministry and he was a pastor for even a time and he's now uh, a faithful servant in the local church. God's judgment, we cannot avoid it. And even though God changed his heart, you know, it allowed him to, to make these decisions based on wisdom because he began to fear God because he knew he was being held accountable for his actions. And even though it happened to, to him, 
we know that ultimately we still will be judged one day, and we have to keep that in mind. That is why we have to continue in perseverance, as it says in the book of Hebrews. We have to continue to fix our eyes on Christ and what he's done. Because it's not a decision that we just make once to believe in Christ, and, and when we confess and repent, it's all over. No, it has to be a continual process that we go through. And all of us are held accountable in that way. So let us remember that when we make decisions, God is watching us. And if we continue in the path that rejects God, where we refuse to do what he says is right, where we do what we want to do only, and we only live for ourselves, we will be judged. So may that fear of God be instilled in all of us so that we don't run away from him, but instead we run towards him because we know that life is better with him than it is without. And so that leads us to our last point. Fear God so that you will receive true joy. The preacher talks about joy in life and, and enjoying the gifts of God for what they are. And we, we've seen that throughout this book as well. But the preacher very well knows that, that true joy is actually only found when we fear God. It is uh, what um, Jason Derushi calls serious joy. He is a professor at a seminary. And even though life is full of enigmas and it does not offer much for us to be able to grasp and really hold on to, we know that life, or the things in life are, are really ungraspable. It still can provide joy, but it has to have God in mind through it all. It is a serious joy because we are mindful of all the difficulties of the world, all the enigmas of the world, but we still have this deep sense of joy or a profound sense of joy. In verse 10, the, the preacher writes, the preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The preacher this whole time has been writing words that he hopes will bring us joy, will bring us delight, and point us to the truth of how we find delight in our lives. And the summary that he gives to that, to find joy, is to fear God. When we fear God, that is actually when we um, receive joy. This has been the summary of this entire book. When we humble ourselves before God and, and fear him, that is when we receive his joy. When we think the vanity of the world, it sh it, think of the vanity of the world, when we think of how, um, how it is just chasing after the wind, what the, what the preacher is saying is that that should be pointing us to God and how we can only find joy in him. And when we see the fleeting nature of our youth, like earlier in this chapter, right, that we are, we are all deteriorating, that we are all going to, to die, even though that is fleeting, it should point us to the everlasting life that we have in Christ. And that is what God has offered us, what God has given us. And all of the good and the bad that we experience in this life should be pointing us to God and how only in God we have joy and how in fearing God we have joy because without God it is all truly meaningless 
as the preacher continues to say over and over again in this book. But in God, we have everlasting life. In God, we enjoy these gifts without the worry of it disappearing in death. Because in death, we actually have life. We have true life. We have eternal life in the blood of Christ. So fearing God shouldn't just make us feel that we have to obey his rules and keep his commandments. I know that's kind of the thought for for many Christians and non-Christians that, oh, begrudgingly we say, oh, we I have to watch the Sunday service this morning because I'm afraid of being sent to hell if I make one single wrong move. But that's not the case. Even though we are held accountable for our actions, the truth is if we are in God, if we fear him, if we desire him, we have this God-given God-approved pleasure and joy, this serious joy. And we fear God and we obey his commandments, knowing that he will help and love all of those who fear him. So when we fear him, when we receive his love and we receive his promises, the ones he has kept in the past, ones that he promises in the future as well, When we believe in that, that is what it means to fear him. That means God will meet us in our pain. That means God will guide us in seeking desires that truly satisfy us. And not these temporary ones that just go away and are like hevel, just chasing after the wind. No, God promises that he will help us in this when we come to him in faith, when we believe what he has done for us and we fear him. And we come to him with a posture of humility. God promises to help us, even though we will stumble in many ways and we will fail in many ways. We're just called to confess and repent again and again and again. And that is the process of growing in our faith in him. Brothers and sisters, when we put our faith in him, in Christ, and humble ourselves before him and have this proper sense of fear, our lives will never be the same. They will be transformed for the better because we will finally be living the life that he wants us to wants us to live. And that means that we will be content in our lives. That means that we will finally have meaning in our lives. That we will be living in righteousness and justice. And it will be a life filled with joy. That is why keeping his commandments are not things that we do begrudgingly, but we do it because it does bring us joy. It brings us joy to spend time in community with our fellow brothers and sisters in Cornerstone and to encourage one another and to love one another and to to learn God's word together and to spur one another on in our faith and to serve each other, to serve our church together, to know him more together. I hope that all of us can experience this joy today. And if you have not experienced this joy, if you feel tired or weary or stressed and anxious, I hope that you can see that Jesus offers this joy by what he has accomplished on the cross. And all it really requires of us 
purpose, to put our trust and faith in him and turning our eyes towards him and resting in his promises. Where we say, oh, we do not live for ourselves anymore. We do not try to find meaning on our own because we know that is fleeting. It is meaningless. It does not answer the biggest questions of our lives. But instead we rest in Christ because we see the truth and what he offers us. And that is what it means to fear God. So may the gospel of Jesus Christ speak into your hearts. And may you have this serious joy, this profound joy, a joy that lasts forever. Fear God and keep his commandments. In doing this, we will find our lasting gain till all of eternity. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have seen this message that you have uh, shown us through the book of Ecclesiastes, that we are to fear you and keep your commandments. And we know that we keep your commandments because when we fear you, we have this profound, serious joy in our hearts. And so, Lord, I pray that you can instill this heart to every single one of us who is worshiping with uh, worshiping here at Cornerstone today. Lord, may you show us how amazing it is to know that in you we have this unbreakable joy, that in you that we have truth, that in you we have meaning. Lord, help us Show yourself to us, Lord. Show the love of Christ to all of us so that we can continue in our path of righteousness to live for you, to have your wisdom in our lives so that we can do amazing things, not by our own strength, but, Lord, by you and you alone. So, Lord, may you show us And reveal your Holy Spirit in us. And show us your truth. And how we are all called to live in righteousness. So Lord, may we have this fear of you. And may we keep your commandments. Help us, O Lord. May you be glorified in this place. Lord, we lift you up. And Lord, may you lift us up in all that we do. May we be guided by your spirit. Thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again, Cornerstone. Take care. Have a good week.